0: Hi, welcome to Shift, PwC Canada's podcast series, and we're digging into key digital trends and topics that can make your business transformation a reality. I'm your host, John Finkelstein, and I'm also the Creative Director of PwC Canada. Welcome to another edition of Shift. Oh man, I'm excited today. Today we're talking about enabling change and digital innovation in the public sector. I'm here with Alex Benet, who is the CIO, that's Chief information officer of the government of canada that's huge welcome to ship <laughs> thanks <laughs> i feel like i'm in the presence of royalty tell us a little bit about what uh, what's going on with you
1: uh so personally I've, I've i'm in the role for about seven months um it's an interesting job because we have quite a few public failures in our execution in the paper these days i mean there's a you might as well talk about that early on in this interview this discussion uh that's resulted in people not getting paid or not deploying email systems or so on one hand we've got these terrible things going on and on the other end there's an entire wind of change kind of thing going on where we could look at executing differently where there's an appetite to do procurement differently that we've done hire people differently and there's like realization I think unfortunately through well Winston Churchill you know never waste a good crisis that uh maybe it's time to do something a little bit different so so yeah it's it's a bit of a world of polar extremes a little bit if you will for us and for me personally in the last 7 months but there's a huge huge appetite to do things differently in the public sector in Ottawa and the federal government I, I, that I could certainly attest to.
0: Maybe I'm speaking on behalf of like all all citizens, you know, but like so how, how do you how do you do it? How do you drive a change agenda? How do you look for innovation in, a, in the context of government where it's slow to adopt or there's reticence?
1: Yeah, so a couple uh, diametrically opposed or what one some people can think is diametrically opposed concepts, we need our plan for us is to add way more discipline. That doesn't mean bureaucracy, it doesn't mean layers, it just means we have 400 case management systems, for example, in the Government of Canada. Uh, that's about an average of nine per department. If we think we have consistent service standards by having nine different case systems per department, that's probably you know, a falsehood that we're creating for ourselves. Um, so we got to get way more disciplined on how we choose our technologies, how quickly we deploy them, how you know it's okay to not uh, take five years to make the perfect decision, but make a decision and iterate that's a discipline on the other hand we got to get more way more agile on how we do things and that means hiring people within you know an acceptable amount of time frame because it could take up to a year to hire people um you know it means using more open source solutions maybe less proprietary technologies other governments have made a big shift towards that we haven't yet we're we're about to like policy wise uh we will be looking at open source standards for web technologies. We have 17,000 people we have to enable to use different kinds of technologies to work on different kinds of projects. The world's way more collaborative, more open innovation ecosystem, and we still do very linear and closed. That's the fundamental shift that has to happen. So there's, you know, there's the discipline side of it that will permit us to be a little bit more agile in how we execute. Um, And it means fundamentally changing how we do government. Like The reason I took the job is because of that. Um, we try to promote working in the open for all of our staff, uh, which means talk about what you're working on. Don't spend three years developing a policy behind closed doors and then ta-da, because you've probably missed the market, the pace of change at which things are moving right now. You know, so it also means that traditional areas that have never had to deal with tech in the government who still see technology as a back office enabling function haven't quite realized that there has not been a new business in the world in the last few years that's not digital by design in nature. Uh, So our policies are not just about just policies. The whole world is digital now. And if we don't adjust our thinking, we are going to get things done to us. Um, So that means changing the tool set, changing how we engage, changing how we develop programs and services, doing it out in the open with more people, not just ourselves. We're no longer experts in anything. I think the days where we thought the government was the voice of authority on things are probably gone now. Um, because things are just moving too quickly, and we 're having a hard time keeping up with it, so we have to be a player in a much bigger pond and know? are you do you find that
0: you guys are spending time? I mean, one of the things we love to focus on here at p w c is really being human centered yeah yeah, and making sure that you know the the consumers, the citizens, the people are at the heart of what it is we 're trying to innovate or what it is we 're trying to transform Can you talk a little bit about because you mentioned, oh, we're going to be in a more an open environment, developing policy behind closed doors for three years, and then coming out the other side doesn't make sense.
1: Yep, and even like what we see as a consultation period with a beginning and an end, and then we go right in an age where you can engage with, you know, politicians, movie stars, people online, like people are accessible all the time. Like, and we have a beginning and an end to our consultation period. Um, but like, no, so uh, there's definitely for us a need to um, move to, I think a. Uh, a more collaborative space overall, I think it's an exciting time. I think we get to a place where we're able to do more with less. And, and I want to make the distinction between a digital government is a different way of working versus digitizing government and the way it exists as well. That's an important um, delineation to make. That's really cool. Talk to me a little bit more about the difference between
0: digitizing government and being a digital government.
1: Yeah. So governments around the world, I had the pleasure of being at OpenText for about five years where I was running, you know, lucky enough to run through a whole bunch of different e-government projects around the world and and at that time we were trying to it was all about let's digitize the process Um, so a lot of processing technology a lot of infrastructure technology um, which was linear a to b to c to d move this thing and uh, turn it into a bits and a byte and then move it quickly you know that doesn't change the process that just makes the process faster which in itself is a noble cause Um, But in today's interconnected society, where Internet of Things is becoming a reality, where we're talking about billions upon billions of devices, where um, the voices of the crowd are astronomically more powerful than trying to sit at your desk to write a research thesis paper, like the model has shifted, right? So um, a digital government is one where your content's available by default. So unless it's personal or private or national security that it's released to the public so everybody can see it, you're working out in the open. And the reason for that is if you're a researcher, for example... You have no idea in other countries what people are working on. The internet is a very powerful and vast place. Uh, So what if somebody can augment your research in India and in Australia and in Botswana, and all of a sudden you're leveraging the power of tens of thousands of people for your one research piece? The other facet of that is I would say the government wastes 99% of its capital, uh, which is content and information and data that never gets released you never know one person's trash is another person's treasure like who would have thought that ancestry.com or flight tracker would be close to billion dollar entities today with content that people thought was irrelevant um, so the the fuel the chip that we have in this sort of digital economy digital world of us as public sector is our content and so the digital government is one that puts it out there by default by design that enables way more third parties to interact with it. So in Canada, we have the weather network. We have TurboTax, Intuit, and other taxations, uh, software tools. What if we took that and we amplified that? What if we let more third parties deliver services on behalf of the government of Canada because maybe they could do it more quickly, more efficiently. It doesn't mean that we don't offer the service. CRA still offers a tax service. They always will, but they've created an ecosystem for themselves. So a digital government is a service that's anywhere on any device On any platform, why can't Expedia.ca renew your passport for you? When you book your trip, it tells you your passport's expired. I'm sure Expedia.ca doesn't like losing a sale because you got to go spend a month renewing your passport and then you may not go back there. So if you're booking your trip off Expedia.ca and it tells you your passport's about to expire, we have the technologies to authenticate now. Why couldn't it renew your passport for you? It's a wicked idea. Right. And, And then why can't you do it from your car or your watch? Or anywhere else like we have to become ubiquitous as government we have to make sure people don't even know we're there in a lot of cases because it's a little bit presumptuous of us to think that in a digital world where you're used to getting things on your phone and your watch that we are going to make you come to us it's actually very pompous in a way Um, we have to find a way to get to where people are and that is increasingly online so very different way of developing policies out in the open with people and engaging Very different way of developing services with others. Uh, We've just launched an agile procurement for the first time federally where we bought a tech thing in two months, but we didn't put out all our requirements and prescribe the solution. We just said, here's the challenge. You guys are expert. Help us. So you get to co-create with people way more and you get to be taken to places that are way more innovative as opposed to you spending three years talking to vendors that'll tell you what your solution is based on their product. You're actually telling the world, here's my problem. Um, XPRIZE has shown that they can do some really cool stuff. We've launched that for the first time. So it's just changing how you do government. It's not digitizing an old process for a paper environment that was designed pre-car. It's literally doing things different based on how things are done today.
0: I think that's a, a total you know, beacon. of I wish more people were thinking the way you were thinking about how to change the environment or, or the model that you're working on. Because I think you know we deal with a lot of big organizations, right? Um, obviously not as large and a scale as government. But you get into, it's so easy to say, we can't do that. That's not possible. That'll take too long. We don't have the, the resources or the whatever. And you just turn the whole thing on its end and go, I love that. It's like, this is our problem. And go out to experts, whether it's through co-creation or collaboration and go,
1: what's yep. the best way to do this? Like If you look at artificial intelligence, the federal government's invested hundreds of millions in the last budget in AI. If we do things the traditional way that we've done, pre-digital, we will spend three, four because we want to do AI stuff in government. We have to. I think it's part of ensuring our survival as a as a service provider, as a policy center for the country, as a whole bunch of things. If we were to do it the traditional way, we'd spend three years trying to define requirements. Whereas in me going out to the market and saying, here is the things that we're considering that are issues, I may get a university responding to me. I, I may get the province of Ontario responding. Like, why, why am I limiting it to vendors? Like, if you really think about it, right? I mean, a story I like to tell is NASA spent, 20, 30 years trying to predict solar flares, right? And spent millions of dollars, best scientists all the time, you know, trying to predict solar flares. We all agree if we're in a plane ride and solar flare happens, it's not a fun day for you. Um, so couldn't do it. Couldn't predict it to a level of accuracy that they were looking for. They released all the content. A couple of weeks later, a retired uh, professor, a retired uh, radio operator from Massachusetts predicted, was able to use the data, developed a model that predicted solar flares up to 85% accuracy. So, it's not that they wasted tens of millions of dollars trying to do it. It's that they were able to leverage that body of knowledge and that data and somebody somewhere that they didn't pay was able to figure it out. I mean, that's the value government needs to bring, I think, moving forward. I don't think there's a piece of public science that should be done behind closed doors or firewalls moving forward. Uh, other countries are moving towards that. The EU is looking to make it law. Um, you know, Estonia is a model that that uh, is a country that has transcended The physical realm so you could be an e-citizen of Estonia never set foot in the country you can launch your business in Estonia never set foot in the country they're looking at uh, cryptocurrency as their new national currency like they have elevated themselves from the physical and and the funny part of that is because we're the government of Canada we used to think that small couldn't deal with the government of Canada we're too big we need big companies to deal with us right but it's all the small folks that are actually setting the pace now. Uh, Singapore, UAE, Catalonia hasn't even officially removed themselves from Spain. And the day after the vote, they were looking at a, at a cryptocurrency for the country. Small is better. You know, so we have to stop thinking bigger is better and linear is better. Small, exponential can do way more. Um, and we're seeing it with these small countries that are now leading the digital agenda for the world. It's not the States. It's not China. It's not us. Um, you know, it's these other smaller countries. So I think there's a lot to be learned there that we need to kind of change our culture uh, from a public sector perspective. And actually the, 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 mandate of government is actually way more fun now than it's ever been. We just haven't really been able to shift the thinking. I think that's wicked. So as a CIO, I'm really curious, but how do you protect
0: the government and citizens from cyber risk? This is all over the news right now. There's hacks everywhere. So there's all kinds of, you know, Mr. Robot out there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious, like that's gotta be top of mind.
1: It is. I mean, we we spent the last I don't know half hour talking about digital services and transformation, and one of the things we have to keep in mind is if you're spending a dollar on a digital service, you should spend a dollar on cybersecurity. Uh, I, I had a chance to meet a lot of the CEOs of the banks in Waterloo at, a, at an event and ask them what some of their top priorities were. And to a T, they all responded cybersecurity. Uh, one one breach in the business is dead, right? Essentially, and and I mean the this is going to sound bad but the one luxury that the government has is the business wouldn't die but it would be another nail in the coffin towards you know trust of citizens in its government if something happened at that scale luckily we've been putting a lot of investments in our cybersecurity. we're globally like shared service canada is a big beast that we've created to manage infrastructure but it's not just a series of things that you read in the newspapers that are horrible like we've got some of the best cyber defenses in the world now because of it so so that's great because that's where a lot of our data resides. Um, I think you, to get to your question, you address it through legislation and policy, and then you address it through technology. The challenge on the legislation and policy front, because there's one on each front, uh, on the policy and legislation front, is we did an assessment of 11 departments uh, to get to a digital service platform for the government of Canada. We had to, we would have had to have changed like 189 pieces of legislation to share data. So that means there's also 189 different ways of getting to the data and that could be good or bad depending on your risk. So do you like having it all in one place, super secure or spread out or distributed? Like these are all conversations and with the cyber thing on the on the policy front is that it's ever changing. It takes us a year, year and a half to do a policy for the in Canada just because of the scale of the consultations and the dialogue. Well, cyber changes on a dime, right? So now what? So how do you create the right policy environment with the right standards underneath them And the right controls, which could be more easily changed than a policy. So we got to figure out how we operate really quickly, really nimbly. And the other key challenge legislatively and policy wise is that a cyber attack on a bank could easily turn into an infection at CRA, could easily hit every single citizen in the country. Right. Uh, So we like, you know, the world has problems and often government, not just Ottawa, has departments. Um, And so we look at things vertically. But cyber is one of those things that it doesn't care. Right. Who you are, what sector you're in. So we, again, have to shift the thinking away from vertical silos of government to, oh, crap, like now, what if if for energy infrastructure? And there's a lot of bright people that are thinking about that at CSEC. So policy and legislation, an issue, technology, an issue. To be honest with you, a lot of the cyber attacks are so sophisticated and they sit in your, your, your environment for six to 12 months, could be dormant. Like there will always be a risk of cyber. And so that's a constant risk that we have to figure out. So a dollar in digital services and modernization, you got to put a dollar in cyber. And I'm not quite sure we're there yet. Public sector writ large around the world and understanding that, um, you know, if you look at our new defense policy, cyber is a big part of it. Our national defense strategy and policy uh, for what we used to be tanks and airplanes and boats and other things has cyber in there at the core. Uh, so like things have really shifted, right? So this is something that in the next two to five years, is are just going to continue taking a a boatload of importance,
0: yeah, kind of has to. I mean, especially as things become more digital and 100%, more yeah. ubiquitous, and IoT and all these things, it's like, yeah, it's probably a dollar for services, two dollars for perhaps for yeah. cybersecurity. Alex, thank you so much for uh, for taking time to talk about this stuff. It's, it's super interesting, and I think it's on everybody's mind. Not only how is the government going to evolve, how is it going to modernize, how are we going to be secure, how do we deliver services more and not only more transparently, but more, I'll use the word omni-channel, it's not really the right word, but, you know, to be ubiquitous. And I think
1: that's... Re- I want the world to forget that we are there. And and some people will take that very negatively. But on, from a services perspective, we need to disappear. How do we disappear? All right? And uh, that'll be cool.
0: Frictionless? Well, that's what they say. It's like the best experience is one that you never
1: even really notice. I mean, it's a pretty crappy job to aspire to disappear to as your ultimate goal. But I mean, if you wanted to look at it that way, but that would mean that we have gotten to a state where we are having maximum impact on Canadians' lives for minimal, you know, like with minimal friction. As One you inch say. punch. Yep.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Shift. You can get more details at pwc.com/ca/shift. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play or your preferred podcast platform. Just so you know, this podcast has been prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP, an Ontario limited liability partnership for general guidance on matters of interest only and does not constitute professional advice. Until next time.